The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Um, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. I can tell you something about me, baby, maybe that you don't know. 
own Bill Toll, a.k.a. Sweet Willie T, from his CD called uh, Something for Everyone by City Zoo, and uh, the song Headlights. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk, uh, oh, this, this is going to be a great conversation. It, this is uh, actually breaking news, AI breakthrough from NYU Langone Health, and Facebook AI will significantly accelerate MRI scans. We're going to talk with Dr. Michael Recht from NYU Langone Health and Nafisa Yakubova from Facebook AI. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoy this conversation as uh, as, as much as uh, I enjoyed having it with them and as much as I enjoyed this last hour with Jan Eliasberg. <music> And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guests this hour are going to talk about an AI breakthrough from uh, NYU Langone Health and um, about uh, Facebook AI. Uh, well, new, uh, NYU Langone Health and Facebook AI uh, have come up with a system that significantly accelerates MRI scans. And we're going to talk about how that's beneficial, how it's different than the way MRIs are done now. With uh, two of the people involved in this project, um, we have uh, with us the chair of the Department of Radiology at NYU Langone, um, Dr. Michael Recht. And uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. And from Facebook AI, Nafisa Yakubova. Uh, uh, Nafisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you. Um, right off the bat, how did how did these two organizations get together, and and what was wrong with MRIs uh, 
before? Were they were they too slow? Yes. Yeah, so MRI is a great medical imaging um, modality, but they can be quite slow. Uh, it can take, if, I don't know if you've ever had MRI, it can take any time between 20 minutes to an hour. Um, and at Facebook AI Research, we look into advancing science of AI forward, and also we've been looking for impactful real-world problems to solve. So that's where we teamed up with NYU team and looked into making MRI go faster using AI techniques. So you um, would spend less time in the machine, um, have better experience, and then have uh, images that look just like the ones you would do it traditionally. And and uh, Michael, am, am I saying that right? NYU Langone. That's correct. NYU okay. Langone Health. And what was um, NYU's role in this uh, in this collaboration? working on trying to accelerate MR for, for a long time. So one of the, the, the constant themes in imaging is trying to go faster. Uh, and I've been doing MR for about 30 years now. Um, and from the very beginning, we've tried ways of making MR to go faster. And the reason for that is, I don't know if you've actually had an MR. Have you had one, Tom? I have. Right. So you know that you have to lie still in, in the magnet. And as Nafisa said, it can take anywhere from, you know, uh, the whole exam when you're lying in the magnet, anywhere from a half an hour, and for some exams, can be well over an hour. And that gets hard. Um, you have to lie still. It tends to be a little bit noisy. Um, and if you move in that magnet, um, the images don't come out as sharp. They get to be blurry. Um, and if you think about young kids, um, it's really hard for them to lie still. And sometimes <laughs> in order to do an MR, you have to use sedation or anesthesia. And so our goal would be to go faster so that it can be a much more pleasant experience. The other thing about going faster is that in some places, not so much in the United States, there can be a long wait time for MR. And in some countries, they don't have very many MRs, and a lot of people never even get the chance to get an MR. Um, the other thing is that because MRs take a long time, they take time to schedule and they get to be pretty expensive. Um, so again, I don't know if you've ever hurt yourself playing sports, um, and if you do that, and I'm a bone and joint imager, so I look at bones and joints on imaging, the first thing that your doctor will do is they order an x-ray for you. Um, now, the reason they order an x-ray is it's really fast. Uh, it tends to be cheap. It can be done right there uh, when you see the doc. Uh, the problem is that most of the time, much of the time, the imaging is really normal, and that's because we know that x-rays don't really give us a very good look at soft tissues. So if you're looking at the knee, if you twist your ankle, we can't see what's going on with the ligaments. We can't see what's going on with the tendons. What we can tell you is, is there a fracture? Isn't there a fracture? And most of the time, there isn't a fracture, but there's a soft tissue injury. But we can't start with an MR because an MR takes too long and it's expensive. So what we're hoping is by going faster, uh, we could actually start with an MR. We can do it. Our goal is to do MRs in five minutes. Um, and you can go right ahead, just like an, an x-ray, get the MR, and that will allow us to get that information. And the other major advantage of MRs compared to x-rays is that, as you know, x-rays have radiation. Now, there's not a lot of radiation, but we try to do as little radiation as possible. So if we could replace an x-ray with an MR, we can get more information and we can do it without radiation, which would be really very great. The other nice thing is that 
right now there's some exams like strokes where when somebody comes in with a stroke, you probably know that now we have treatments to intervene to try to limit or prevent the damage that a stroke can cause. Currently, the way we image a patient to determine if that intervention is appropriate is with a CT scan. Again, an MR would probably be better, but it takes too long in order to get the MR. So if we're able to make an MR faster, we can actually now do an MR to determine whether or not intervention in an acute stroke is the appropriate test. So that was our motivation for why we really wanted to make MR faster. And Nafisa, what is Facebook AI and and what has their role been in in helping to develop this process? Facebook AI is a Facebook artificial intelligence research team. So we are part of Facebook that focuses on doing research to advance the science of artificial intelligence or machine learning. And we have many projects where we publish results, open source everything, and look for uh, new challenging problems in the field of artificial intelligence. And this is one of the projects that we looked into having both advancing the state of AI and also uh, looking for real-world impact problems that can affect people's daily lives in a good way. Um, And uh, the reason we picked this problem, it's uh, quite a hard, challenging problem for to solve for the machine learning because um, I don't know if you've seen like uh, in the news, like AI generating celebrity faces, the images that pretty look realistic, right? Like um, feeding the AI model to... So uh, so we started thinking, instead of this, how what's the good use you can put this technology into? So, right? So it's, um, in a sense, this is similar to that, uh, that you're uh, teaching your artificial intelligence model to learn about MRI images, learn how they're uh, acquired, and uh, you're asking it to reconstruct an image that has to look uh, just like the original one. But here's the catch. It's more challenging to do the medical images than the regular images because you have to get every detail right. right? And uh, Michael Rice could um, speak to it uh, more later that uh, some of the problems you look in medical imaging could be very small and you have to get it absolutely right. You cannot remove something that's not supposed to be there or add something that's not supposed to be there. So it creates a really tricky problem and interesting challenge to solve. Well, and and that is interesting because it seems like the whole point of an um, uh, an MR is to look at what's there. Yes. So uh, we do not skip uh, part of the scan, but it's more like a, uh, can you um, generate the image, reconstruct image with all the details intact. And what we're announcing today is that the study that we ran together with NYU validates it in the clinic so the doctors can make the same conclusions looking at the image, same diagnostic accuracy, looking at the reconstructed images using AI versus the ones that are acquired through standard procedures. And um, that's the beauty of it. So that means the AI demonstrates that it can be used to reconstruct medical images. More with Dr. Michael Recht from NYU Langone Health and Nafisa Yakubova from Facebook AI talking about accelerating MRI. Straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. 
you can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodin flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hello, oh, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Dr. Michael Recht from NYU Langone Health 
and Nafisa Yakubova from Facebook AI talking about accelerating MRI straight ahead. Michael, I, when I first read the phrase accelerated MRI scans, I, I I don't know if it's just me, but I immediately thought of the results coming in sooner. <laughs> I hadn't thought about the actual process of doing the test. Um, how how will the process be different in practice using an accelerated MRI scan? That's a great question, and uh, what's nice about this technique is it doesn't require any new equipment. So we don't have to go out and buy new MR scanners. We don't have to add anything to the MR scanners. It's really just software, and what that means is as soon as we complete the validation of this type of exam, um, this will just be what you do. You go in for your MR. You'll lie down, but instead of lying down for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, you'll be able to get in and out of that magnet much, much faster. So for the patient, it's just going to be a much more pleasant and comfortable experience. Uh, we're actually using it now uh, in a research study. Um, so in this study that we had just published, uh, we did it retrospectively. We're now doing it prospectively. So that means as patients come in, we're using this, this new technique, um, and it's just allowing us to go faster uh, and make it a better experience for, for, for patients. Will we still be uh, waiting to go see our doctor in three days to find out the results? <laughs> well, you know that that, that 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 is a great question. You know, um, you know that's not really part of this project, but I will tell you that uh, more and more um, we're using, you know, like everybody else, giving information faster using digital platforms. Yeah. So hopefully, the answer to that is no. You'll get your answer right away. Um, we should be able to go faster. And. Um, what, how did you, um, Michael and uh, Nafisa, find each other to collaborate on this? Yeah, so um, it's Facebook AI research team. Like I, I mentioned earlier, we were looking for um, interesting real-world problems, right? But we are mostly artificial intelligence research scientists and engineers, uh, and to do this kind of um, collaboration, you need to work with domain experts in medical imaging um, so that it can be um, adopted in the clinical use that, to make sure we are solving the right problems in medicine and not just in machine learning. Um, so this is why we reached out to NYU, and they have a great uh, center for advancing uh, research in imaging and, and the team looking into this problem. And uh, this was a very uh, important decision because we learned that working together, we were incorporating a lot of uh, medical imaging domain knowledge into our AI models, and it was improving the performance. So it was a solution developed together with the medical imaging experts. I, I, I just wondered how this project got your attention versus something else. Uh, we have many projects that have different applications, different uh, research directions. For this one, uh, I've been in medical research myself for a bit before uh, Facebook, so this is why, you know, uh, one of the interesting areas, like I brought the team's attention, but of course it was a team effort. That's how it got started. Um, Michael, what happens uh, What happens now? Uh, you're... you're 
announcing that this is uh, a, a potentially new uh, new tool and um, how does it how does it get approved? How does it move forward? Yeah, that's really a, a really great question. Um, and there are a couple of things that I think are unique about this study that I want to point out. The first is that when we came together with, with Facebook, um, and it's really been a great collaboration, um, one of the guideline, guiding principles was that everything we did was going to be open source. So we're really doing this to make it better for patients, uh, to improve the accessibility uh, and the uses of MR. And we said, in order to do that, anything we do needs to be public. So as part of this project, initially when we started working on the the model, the neural network, uh, we released the largest um, database of knee MRs. We've done that now for brain MRs as well, so that everybody um, in the world could actually access these images. Uh, And it's been, you know, accessed several thousand times now um, from well over 100 countries. Um, what the, the other thing we've done is we've released our model. So everybody has access now to what we've done so they can uh, try to do it themselves. Um, and that means that imaging industry also has access. And, and the major manufacturers who make MR machines are working now to try to take this technology and uh, you know, uh, integrate it into their machines. Um, we have done this initial study, and I just want to, if I can, talk really briefly about this. Yeah, please. Um, what's interesting about this study is there were two, two main goals of the study. The first, as Nafisa said before, is anytime you try something new, the most important thing is to make sure that it is just as good about making the diagnosis. So this study had to do with knees and patients who hurt their knees, and we were looking for tears of the meniscus or anterior cruciate ligament tears, or cartilage injuries, and we needed to make sure that we were able to make the same diagnosis as we did with our standard sequences, even though we were, you know, able to do this with, you know, four times as fast as a standard sequence. Um, the second thing that I found that is very important is that sometimes when you go fast, um, the images, you can see things, but they're not as sharp, and the radiologists are interpreting it, you know, say, it's not something I want to use because it just doesn't look as good as what I did before. Uh, And one of the radiologists who was part of a a previous study used a line, not part of this study, where they said, yeah, I can see things, but it looks like my glasses are always smudgy. Nobody wants to be looking at images that look smudgy. When you take your pictures, you know you want them to be sharp. So the second part of the study was we wanted to make sure that the images looked just as good. And when we did the study, what we found is that the images were complete, the two sequences were completely interchangeable. So whether we use the accelerated sequence or a standard sequence, we were able to make the same diagnosis. There was no difference in using that. That was a great result. But what was really surprising to us and really very exciting was that all six of the radiologists who participated in the study, and they were all specialists in just doing bone and joint imaging, every single one of them said that the accelerated sequence actually looked better and had better quality than the standard sequence. And that really surprised us, but really excited us, because that meant that this would be translated very quickly into clinical practice. And what we're doing now is some additional research um, studies. We need to make sure that we do this um, at multiple sites, so it's not just at NYU Langone, but it's proven at at many more sites that the, the, the sequence works, and it's just as good. And once that happens, the, the major manufacturers will take it through um, 
regulatory process like they do for all types of new sequences in MR. It's something they do all the time. Uh, and we really hope that we'll be able to, to accomplish this uh, really quickly and get this out into clinical practice and really change the way MRs are done and used. So we're really excited about this result. Um, Nafisa, uh, the, uh, Michael was saying uh, a few minutes ago that um, the equipment is still the same equipment, the, the imaging uh, equipment, and this is mostly uh, software changes. Are there upgrades that need to be made to the equipment to accommodate the, uh, the software upgrades? How does that work? No, you don't need to change the equipment itself. So it's the same MRI scanner. It's more of a, just a change in software. So MRIs already have a certain software that it runs with. So you'd be making modifications to that. And the regulatory approval that Michael mentioned is uh, to get that into uh, widespread use. So yes, it's any anybody could uh, use it right now. It's solutions we built together are made freely available. There's no financial gain for us in this, and uh, any research group, any hospital, any companies that make MRI machines could be using it and incorporating it into their software without upgrading any um, uh, changes to the machine itself. I, I was thinking in terms of uh, the computer interfacing and, and memory and so on. If it's uh, is, um, Has this got a big footprint? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say that, just to give you an example, Tom, um, we're actually on the machines that we currently have, we're running that sequence. So we're doing this today, uh, and we didn't need to change the computer or change the machine at all. So we didn't need to do anything to make it work. So no, the answer is it doesn't have a footprint at all. Is there any special uh, uh, sort of uh, skills needed to... um to upload this uh, this software? No. Um, again, this is something that is pretty common, that we get new types of sequences. Now, they're not using AI and for acceleration, but they allow us to do different things with MR. Um, and so this is something that we do really pretty frequently, where you get software upgrades. So it's no different than that. It's just a different sequence that we're able to do using AI to allow us to go faster. Do you expect that this uh, accelerated uh, MR system will be the norm, and, and how long before we, we see this being used almost everywhere? Yeah, uh, yeah so that's our hope. Um, we, we are really excited about it. Um, I want to stress that this is just the initial study. We have to validate this with larger studies at multiple institutions. Um, this study was just of the need, but what's really exciting is we are now using it in different parts of the body. So we're doing it in the brain. We've gotten really uh, great initial results. And what's interesting is in the brain, uh, it looks like we can go even faster than in the knee. So in the knee, we were able to accelerate by a factor of four. In the brain, we're looking at acceleration factors uh, of six, eight, even ten times, uh, allowing us to go faster. We're also doing it in the abdomen. And as you know, the abdomen is really hard because there's normal motion in the abdomen. You have breathing motion. You have your bowel that moves as well. And so often, if you go in and you need to get an MR of the abdomen, you're asked to hold your breath. 
Um, and a lot of patients who are getting MRs, they're not feeling very well, so it's hard for them to hold their breath. So if we were able to go faster and eliminate some of this breath holding, that, w- that would be really a great advantage. Um, so we do think uh, and hope that it will become something that will be standard. Um, realistically, it will probably take somewhere between, you know, um, you know, one or one and a half years and two years to really get out onto all of the machines to get, you know, regulatory approval, um, which sounds like a long time, but in the world of medical imaging, that's, that's actually pretty fast uh, to be able to get a sequence out there and get it tested and get it approved. So we're really hopeful that this will become a standard way of imaging in the very near future. Um, and, and in the process of, of doing this, now you're announcing this today, but has there there been any any peer review of the work you've been doing, and and have you had a chance yet to get feedback from other practitioners? Uh, yeah, so so the paper that, that that's just coming out is actually a peer reviewed publication. Um, so we do have peer review. Uh, the other thing that that's exciting for me is, uh, I, you know, I've obviously shown these images to a number of radiologists. Um, basically asking them to look at the images and compare them uh, with standard images. And I've done that um, without telling them which image is which. So not only the six radiologists who are part of the study, but radiologists from really across the world uh, at meetings that we've gone to for for musculoskeletal imaging meetings. And and universally, people uh, really look at that and say, boy, we couldn't tell that they were accelerated. These look great. They look better than what we're doing uh, most of the time every day. So I think that has really given us a lot of um, enthusiasm about moving forward with this project, because I really think what's exciting is this is really the first time that we've been able to do accelerated imaging um, that can fool people. One part of the study that I just want to mention is um, we actually had each of the six radiologists um, try to decide whether they were looking at an accelerated or a standard sequence. And we expected that every single one of them would be able to say, yes, uh, this is the accelerated sequence. Um, It doesn't look too bad or it looks okay. Um, But what we found is, uh, except for one radiologist, uh, the other five were no better than flipping a coin at being able to distinguish the accelerated sequence from the standard sequence. And again, that really is what gave us the enthusiasm that this technique really could get accepted uh, into clinical practice very quickly because there's no reason that people wouldn't use the sequence if it's diagnostically as good, which our studies show that it was, and the images not only looked as good but looked better than what they're getting with the standard sequence they're using today. Um, Nafisa, I, I'm, I, I hate to admit this, but our conversation today is the first I'm hearing about Facebook AI. So... Uh, permit me, if you will, to find out a little bit more about it. Um, it, it this is, is, how is this part of Facebook? Yeah, that's a great question. Many people know Facebook as the product they use, you know, Facebook app and other products. The so Facebook AI is a different part of Facebook, maybe lesser known. Um, and it's uh, research. So imagine like in universities and in academic institutions, people do research to advance the field of computer science, right? So it's similar department at Facebook where we are a group of scientists and engineers who are dedicated to solve new problems in artificial intelligence, develop new techniques that could be used widely, not just at Facebook, but everywhere in the different domains in life. 
And uh, we have a website for people interested to learn more, ai.facebook.com, where we always openly share all the publications, all the research results. So it's more of an academic-style research group, if you will. And uh, we're always looking into uh, impactful research projects that are also challenging and interesting scientifically. Yeah, Nafisa, I, at first glance, I you know, when I see Facebook AI, I would think that it was a branch of the company that, that worked on trying to upgrade the Facebook product that most of us use and see. Um, what other kinds of things are you working on? I mean, obviously there's this uh, accelerated imaging, but what are some of the other projects you're doing that... Uh, uh, that that are different than telling me when everybody's birthday is. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Facebook AI, the part of the Facebook AI team also works to improve uh, Facebook itself, right? So, for example, sure. when you go to Facebook, if you have a friend posting something in different language, it automatically translates to your language, right? So that's also part of the Facebook AI branch that are trying to improve the experiences on Facebook itself, the machine translation so accurately without a human being able to translate between different languages, detecting things in the images so there is a group looking into, you know, uh, removing harmful content and things like that. But then also there is a research group. We often attend these AI conferences where you're uh, coming up with uh, uh, self-supervised learning, teaching AI models to learn like humans. So very interesting research uh, in imaging, in speech, in um, translation, so different uh, parts of the uh, AI research. Well, this is very tangential to our uh, conversation, but with uh, parents and kids trying to figure out uh, about going back to school, um, is there... Are, are there efforts at Facebook AI to assist uh, parents and, and young children in the, the process of trying to do distanced learning? Um, this is not quite the part of the, what Facebook AI research team focuses on. So we have uh, product teams that might be looking into it, but this is more like a fundamental scientific research team, so this wouldn't be quite relevant. To gotcha. Um Michael, the um, this has got to be a, an exciting project. Now, are you, are you able to use this in the general in, in your general practice at uh, NYU, or do you have to keep it limited to the um, to the to the tests and, and the study? So right now. Um because this doesn't have regulatory approval, we're using this only uh, as a research study, which means that um, we have um, approval by our institutional review board, uh, which is really our ethics committee, making sure that this is okay. Patients consent to have this, so we let them know when we're doing it. Um, so it is right now classified as research. It is research. Um, but we're hoping, as I said, once we finish the research, once we do it at multiple institutions, that we can then, you know, um, move forward, and the industry, the um, in, you know, companies will get regulatory approval. And once that happens, we can use it routinely, um, not as a research, but as a standard clinical sequence. That's and, not where we are today, but we hope that'll happen really very quickly. Any sense for what that timeline is? You know, um, 
as I said, I think it'll probably be, you know, into routine clinical practice with regulatory approval. We're probably talking, you know, somewhere between 18 and, 18 and 24 months. Uh, that really is how long it would take to really do all of the research because, again, um, as Nafisa said earlier, you know, with AI you can sometimes make images. Here we have to make sure these are perfect. We have to make sure that we're not missing any pathology. Uh, you don't want to go faster but miss a meniscal tear or miss an abnormality or miss a tumor for sure. Um, we found that in our study there, w there was diagnostic equivalency. We weren't missing anything. But in order to make sure, we want to do a larger study on more patients, more different parts of the body, before we go ahead and really use this as a standard sequence. Um, Nafisa gave the uh, AI.Facebook, was it AI.Facebook.com? Thanks, uh, Nafisa. That's exactly where I was going. I wanted to make sure that we gave listeners an opportunity to uh, uh, be able to look into this a little bit more and to follow what you're doing because this is exciting stuff. And I want to thank you both for spending time with me this morning. Thank you. It was our pleasure. We really appreciate the, the chance to talk about this. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. That was uh, Dr. Michael Recht from the uh, NYU Langone Health, along with Nafisa Yakubova from Facebook AI, talking about a uh, collaboration that um, teams NYU Langone Health and Facebook AI to significantly accelerate MRI scans. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <music> Headaches, headaches, aspirin commercials give me headaches, just when I'm feeling chipper as you please, that's when they show me all my sinus cavities, headaches, headaches, those sponsors don't care how my headaches, See that announcer, he looks so fine. His head should ache like mine. <laughs> headaches, headaches. Those pounding hammers give me headaches. They say it once and then they say again. Oh, tension, pressure, pain. Oh, tension, pressure, pain. Headaches. Headaches Those sponsors love it when my headaches Mother, don't hand me those pills from the shelf I'd rather do it myself This is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. 
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila!
I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. After seven years of cycloid insomnia, or slugger's disease, John Bickerson had finally consented to allow Dr. Hershey to relieve his condition. In room 113 at the General Hospital, Mrs. Bickerson watches anxiously as a surgical nurse ministers to poor John, who is suffering an attack the night before the operation. Listen. Oh, it's like being married to a steam shovel nurse. Cough's normal. Enjoy yourself, dear. Dr. Hershey's waiting for you in the corridor, Mrs. Bickerson. Oh, hello, doctor. Is he resting? I gave him a sedative. That'll quiet him down. Well, he isn't very quiet. Oh, well, actually, I could have done the operation in my office. It's so trivial. I won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatsoever. Will it hurt him? Not the slightest. All we do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Hershey, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? Well, I would say about $40. Would there be any discomfort if he didn't have an anesthetic? Not for me, there wouldn't. I wouldn't advise the operation without it. And you're sure he'll be cured when you're through? Oh, practically certain. Well, it's almost midnight now. I'll do his case first thing about seven. He just needs a good night's rest. Well, I'll just stay a little longer. Good night. Call the floor nurse if you need anything. Oh, I will. I hope that pill's quieted him down. I'm sure that isn't doing him any good. John! John, wake up! What's the matter, Blanche? Uh, What's the matter, huh? I put the cat out, I locked the windows, I left a note for the milkman, and I I hung up... John! We're in the hospital. What for? Is somebody sick? No! You're going to have an operation. Dr. Hershey's going to shorten your uvula in the morning. Well, then what did you wake me up now for? Well, you were snoring, and I was afraid you'd wear it off before he got a chance to operate. You've been snoring steadily for three hours. Don't you suppose I want to sleep, too? You're not sleeping here, are you? Yes, I am. It costs another $5 to put another cart in the room. I... And I intend to use it. I can't get one night's sleep. Where's my Not night even in the hospital. I don't understand why you have to have an operation to cure your snoring. I didn't want it. You've been working on me for seven years to do this. I'm beginning to think it was a waste of money. I could have used that $40. I'm still walking around in a short dress. What are you going on about? Tomorrow I'll be walking around with a short uvula. Don't be so crabby. I'm not crabby. I'm just sleepy. Why don't you stop fiddling with that mirror and put out the lights? I have to get undressed, don't I? Well, take your dress off. Why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? I didn't even know you had bald eyelids. My eyelids are not bald. 
It's just that my lashes are short, and they don't bring out my eyes. Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. Really? Really. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. What kind of a remark is that? Oh, hurry up, Blanche. I'm groggy. Blanche, what on earth are you taking out of your hair? It's a rat. A what? A roll of false hair. I have to wear it for the new hairstyles. My own hair is too thin with a pompadour. Oh, darn it, I can't get out of this dress. Blanche, what are those things? <laughs> silly. Haven't you ever seen shoulder pads before? Oh, I've never heard of such a thing. Your eyelashes are on the dresser, your hair is in the drawer, and your shoulders are on the chairs. What about it? That's you all over, Blanche. <laughs> no one can think of more ways to spend money. Are you ready for bed now? Yes, dear. I'm ready for bed. Shall I crank yours up a little? No, put out the lights. Oh, I wanted to glance at the paper first. You go ahead and go to sleep. I can't sleep with the lights on. I left my sleep shade at home. Well, I won't be a minute. No one would believe this. In six hours, they're going to carve me to pieces. I'm supposed to rest, and here I'm... Shh! I can't concentrate with you mumbling. <sighs> There's certainly a lot of activity in Washington. What's all this tax reduction talk? Talk. Listen to what's... Blanche, I read the paper, every word of it. Read it to yourself. Don't be so disagreeable. Dr. Hershey told me to keep you occupied so you wouldn't think about the operation. All I'm thinking about is sleep. Oh, that's a good boy. You mustn't get nervous. No. I see the stock market is going up. That's fine. We have some stock, haven't we? Didn't you get some stock last year? Ten shares. Kentucky Salt Peterman. Preferred stock. My brother got you in on the ground floor, didn't he? Where is that now? In the ground. I can't even find it listed on the stock page. Look in the help wanted column. Are you getting relaxed, dear? No, now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm worried about you, John. If anything happened to you on the operating table, it would all be my fault. So, you know what I think? We'll, uh, sneak out, huh? No. I think you should make out a will. Make out a will? I thought you were worried about me. Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercies of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead, they Don't talk like that. Can't you say pass on or something like that? Well, you always say drop dead. That's only when I'm talking to your brother. You could be a little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Because you make it sound like I'm going to go any minute. Well, they don't give you two weeks' notice, you know. Every man should make out a will. Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow. You say it, but you won't do it. Get up now. Do it now. What? Go on, get up, and make out a will. Well, you're out of your mind. In the first place, a will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses. And in second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place. Nobody is going to take anything, and I don't need a will. You are the most stubborn man that ever lived, John. Why? Why am I stubborn? It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. There's a woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will, and nobody can touch anything besides you. Okay, so now... You've got it all, my worldly goods. First thing you know, you'll get over your grief, marry a guy without a dollar to his name like that broken-down snore specialist, Dr. Hershey. Oh, I'm not going to marry anybody. He'll give up his practice, take you for every penny, my hard-earned money. He'll drive around my brand-new car, drink my bourbon, <laughs> loaf around like the French, never do a day's work. Why don't you make the bum get a job, Blanche? And then screaming like that. Push up and go to sleep.
Go to sleep, she tells me. I'm a nervous wreck. She practically walks me into a funeral. Mary's a doctor behind my back. Now she tells me to go to sleep. I'll never sleep. Another wink as long as I... John, the telephone. The telephone. Answer no. it! Who, who the dickens is calling? Who moved the phone, Blanche? What'd you get up for? It's right on the night table beside your bed. I thought I was, uh... Hello? Mrs. Renesis, this is your maternity nurse. You can get ready now. I'm bringing your baby in. What? Blanche, how long have I been here? Isn't he 413? I don't know what this is, but I'm not feeding any babies. A way to run a hospital. It's just a mistake, John. No, I shouldn't have fallen for this operation deal. I could be so comfortable at home in my own bed. One of us should have stayed there. What for? How do you know a prowler won't break in? I left a whole bottle of bourbon on the dresser. Nobody will break in. The turkey would gobble and scare him away. The turkey would gobble? I can just see... Turkey? What turkey? Well, I was going to surprise you. I won a turkey in a raffle, John. You've got a live turkey running around the house? He isn't running around. I've got him tied to your bed. On my bed? What'd you do that for? I'll have the whole thing full of feathers. What'll we do with a live turkey? Well, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, John, and I thought you'd murder him for dinner. I'm not going to murder any turkeys. But if he lays a beak on my bourbon, I'll chop his head off. Blanche, you're the most impossible woman that ever lived. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I guess everything I do is wrong. I'll go home and put the turkey out. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Never mind. I didn't mean to holler. Let's go to sleep so I can feel good for the operation. I don't think I want you to have it. What's the least I can do for you? Kept you awake all these years with my snoring, and when Dr. Hershey gets through with me, I'll be as quiet as a mouse. But if you stop snoring, I'll never wake you up, will I? No. And if I don't wake you up, we won't fight, will we? That's right. Well, that settles it. I'm not going to let him operate, John. Why not? It's the only chance I get to talk to you. Come on, we're going home. I give up. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. What a great... uh, gaggle of guests we had uh, today. Coming up tomorrow, of course, it's Armchair Politics. Political operative Bobby Clayton Walton will be joining us at the roundtable with roundtable regulars Henry Hatter and Paul Rosicki. So be sure and tune in for another uh, of our weekly political roundtables known as Armchair Politics. That's Smoking George. Winners tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. So see you tomorrow, everybody. Good night. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening. 